Hello, my name is Ben Jenkins. Welcome back to another episode of the ACN Podcast, the official podcast of the Australian College of Nursing. In today's episode, I'm joined by Kate Hopner. Kate is a member of the Australian College of Nursing and at the time of recording this is the Chief Mental Health Nurse and Executive Director of Mental Health at La Trobe Regional Hospital. Kate, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Ben. Kate, I'd love to start the episode today by firstly learning about you and your journey into the specialty of mental health nursing. Well, where do I start? (laughs) (laughs) Great question. Um, I started my nursing career what seems like a very long time ago now. Um, I've been a nurse for about 27 years and not something that I ever thought I would end up being is being a nurse. So, um, but of course I have uh, a grandma and several aunties that were nurses. So kind of, um, you know, always loved working with people and, you know, I'm quite a, a personable um, human and I like to engage with others and thought, well, you know, nursing um, might be a career for me. And so undertook my nursing training and at Deakin University in Melbourne. And then I, um, when I graduated, I worked in, in acute health services and aged care and um, didn't think I would ever end up being a mental health nurse. I don't think I ever knew what that was or whether that was even a career option. And someone that I know rang me one day and said, uh, I've got this job for you. I'd like you to come and work at our local mental health hospital. And in Terralgan, we have uh, what used to be known as Hobson Park, was, which was the old, um, when we had institutions, psychiatric institutions, and offered me um, an interview to undertake a postgraduate in mental health nursing and, and be employed. And I thought, oh, that sounds, that sounds like a great opportunity. Yeah. And so uh, I went for an interview and then walked out with a job and a university enrolment and started the following Monday. And... I walked into the acute unit of this local psychiatric hospital and from the first day I was there, I just knew that I was in the right place and I've been a mental health nurse ever since. <laughs> and that's so that's how my journey starting as a mental health nurse um, began. And I've spent, um, you know, the last, you know, 27 odd years working across you know, really a broad range of areas in mental health nursing. So in acute hospitals, in the community, uh, lots of clinical positions, management positions, um, all, you know, across adults and aged and um, child and youth and getting a lot of experience across a whole range of areas and then travelling. So taking the opportunity to travel as a mental health nurse and working across Queensland and South Australia and um, then ending up back in Victoria and I then undertook um, you know a lot of extra study and did my master's and became a nurse practitioner in mental health um, back in 2007 and then ended up going back into management positions and I guess making the transition where I am now into senior management and chief nurse positions where um, you know leading the discipline of nursing and um, that's where I find myself today in that executive role. So uh, a long journey with a lot of really varied experiences as a mental health nurse. What was it about mental health nursing that really grabbed your attention that you knew that that's exactly what you wanted to do? I think it was it, the relationship with the patients, you know, those consumers. That first day I just felt so um, comfortable 
the role of a mental health nurse is, you know, we are the therapeutic tool that we work and engage with people. And so those relationships are so important. And I just felt that real connection with people um, and the consumers that I was looking after. And it just felt, it just felt really right on that first day. Oh, absolutely. And you sort of mentioned at the start that you're, you're a personable person. I can't imagine a better job than, than mental health nursing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's, it's all about communication and relationships and, um, you know, building that trust and empathy and compassion with people. And that's what I really love about um, being a mental health nurse. Yeah, great. And I can imagine in a 27 year career in mental health nursing that you have seen quite a lot of change. Uh, what would you say are the, the biggest advances with the career of or the specialty of mental health nursing? I think over the years we have become so much more uh, professional uh, experts in our field. You know, back when I first started, there was still that real stigma around mental health nursing. You know, people saying, oh, that's not real nursing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, that that of course underlies the stigma that there is out in the community around people with mental health issues. So I think there's just been a huge evolution in um, the professionalism of mental health nursing and how we're seen as nurse leaders and just the skill and knowledge and expertise that we bring to those roles. And it's seen as a really legitimate specialty in nursing. Um, You know, and I think that's been the most exciting evolution of, of seeing how the profession's really grown expanded you know we are experts we're seen yes. to be the kind we you know we're the cornerstone of the mental health service Absolutely. delivery and system um, is, is mental health nurses and we mm. bring so much expertise to them yeah couldn't agree more uh, i'd say as a follow-up question to that one though in your opinion what are the areas of mental health nursing that have not evolved enough um, I, I would say that there's still there's still that sense of stigma hmm. um, within the mental health nursing profession and, and not just externally but from within too. Hmm. But I think that's slowly being eroded. Um, I think that's becoming less and less. I think there's still, you know, we've we've done a lot of work particularly over the last probably 10, 12 years or so around reducing restrictive practices in mental health nursing. So the use of seclusion and restraint, um, you know, really those issues that really cause risk for patients and for staff. Um, But I still think we've got a way to go there. I think we've got a lot of work to, and, and we're well positioned as nurses to lead really good practice change in, in, reducing and hope, hopefully eliminating those practices um, from mental health nursing and making sure that uh, we look at other ways where we can provide interventions um, for people's care and intervene early and protect human rights. Uh, and, there, and, you know, and there's certainly a lot of work happening internationally uh, around that and, and looking at eliminating those restrictive practices from, from the work that we do. Uh, and shifting more to those consumer-led, peer-led recovery models. So I think we're well on our way, but we've still we've still got a way to go. I think the other thing I would say is um, we still have a fair bit of work to do around our undergraduate nursing curriculum and how we train our nurses. Okay. Um, 
you know, mental health used to be a standalone uh, nursing qualification. Absolutely, yes. Uh, now we all undertake our general nursing undergraduate and then moving into our specialty areas. But unfortunately, over the years, that that core mental health nursing knowledge, that foundation of what we provide is slowly being eroded and is less and less in the undergraduate curriculum. And I think that is something where we need to be um, leading uh, and having influence on so that we can actually, our nurses come out of our their undergraduate programs with a really core mental health foundation of knowledge mm -hmm. because one in five people have a mental health issue. Um, mental health is, you know, it's a holistic approach to the care that we provide and often in uh, acute hospitals and community health, you know, up to 20 or 30% of people may have a mental health issue when you're caring for them. So I think people do need that very holistic approach to care and do need to have a really good core foundational knowledge in mental health nursing, you know, as a general nurse. So I think there's a way to go in terms of that improvement. Now, you wrote a fantastic article that was published in the latest winter edition of The Hive, which is ACN's quarterly magazine, uh, whereby you discuss the opportunities that now present themselves since the final report of the Royal Commission into the Victoria's mental health system uh, was published earlier this year. Now, would you be able to discuss what this Royal Commission involves and what this means for the mental health system in Victoria? I think the Royal Commission into Victoria Mental Health Services is probably one of the greatest transformations that I will see in my lifetime as a mental health nurse. And you certainly made um, that clear in the article too. I love <laughs> it. definitely highlighted that, but that's, I can't wait to talk absolutely. to you about this. Um, I, I am a very passionate mental health nurse and very much around consumers uh, being at the centre of their care and uh, really wanting to lead person-centred care in, in the mental health service system. And the Royal Commission, and, and I think credit to uh, the government for actually investing in that Royal Commission, because as patients, consumers, families, carers will tell you, and what the Royal Commission found was that the system is broken, uh, it's under-resourced, it's underfunded. We have far too many people dying by suicide, deaths that can be preventable, uh, there is inequalities and inequities in the system for people with mental health issues. People with chronic mental health illnesses are dying earlier than the general population. So it, it's just a, it's, it was a, a long awaited um, call to arms, I think, yeah. for, for all of us working in the system who've been really striving for change for a really long time. And the government appointed some really fantastic experts and the Royal Commission panel interviewed, you know, hundreds of people, took thousands of um, witness statements and, you know, there was more um, contributions and submissions than any Royal Commission ever before around the mental health service system, which tells you what that means to the community and the people in Victoria. Uh, and... And, and they took a very thoughtful approach and they really considered, I think, the knowledge and expertise and the value of people working in the system as well as consumers and families and came up with 65 recommendations that really are um, going to be the cornerstone of a new uh, mental health service system. So 
this is going to be, um, you know, the biggest change that we will probably ever see in a mental health service system in this country. Hmm. Absolutely. And it said in your article that you, you, you touch on a few pertinent topics, uh, one being that the current workforce shortages that exist, especially within regional and remote Victoria, uh, and that that's, you know, placing a strain on the clinicians who are there, which means that they're going to be facing burnout because there's, there's not too many other people that are there working besides them, which is, which is always hard. Uh, what, in your opinion, like what needs to occur to incentivize mental health clinicians to be going to regional and remote areas of Victoria? If you ask uh, the mental health nurses uh, in our service and the mental health nurses that I know and my peers and colleagues across the state, um, it's not all about salary. It's not all about money. It's around being able to make a difference and it's around being able to change people's lives and feel like that you can have the resources and the funding to actually provide, you know, really good evidence-based interventions and care that will actually help people recover. That's why we do the work that we do and nurses will tell you that they want to be able to make uh, a difference. And I think when you've got a system that's quite, fragmented and under-resourced and um, you know people feel like they can't make that di difference they do get disillusioned and they do get burnt out um, and, you know and as I said nurses make up the majority of the mental health service system so and, and there's just not enough of us there isn't enough of us in the system um, to be able to support the consumers in the in the work that we do and so you know I think we get a sense of you know, distress about that. Um, and, you know, we often have discussions around the, you know, moral distress and ethical practice and, and, and you're always trying to do the best that you can as a nurse with, with really limited resources. We've got to be really flexible and creative around the work that we do, but ultimately we want to provide the best care. So, um, you know, you add on top of that, the particular issues that we face in rural services, but, you know, around you know, the floods and fires and, you know, those natural disasters that happen and really impact just the general sense of mental health and well-being in, in communities, you know, higher levels of trauma, um, people not being able to access the right service at the right time so mm. they get sicker and then they don't get care until much later so their recovery is, is impacted. Uh, and even things like uh, for nurses particularly you know not being able to access professional development you know it tends to be all the great yeah. things and conferences happen in the city but it's really hard when you're the only mental health nurse or in a small team to leave your colleagues and leave your consumers to have that time away so um, you know there's there's a lot of ways that we can um, support our nurses in in doing that work so yes you know salary and conditions are important but really focusing on people's career development, you know, having enough resources, having enough people in your team to support you in the work that you do. It's quite complex. You know, you're managing a lot of risk. There's a lot of, um, you know, high level of decision-making that needs to happen and people need to feel supported. So, you know, being able to have highly expert nurses, really good governance structures and support around team, you know, access to that professional development so you can grow um, as a clinician and really provide that best care. Um, I think they're really important things that we'd like to see um, in our area. 
uh, in those rural and regional areas. And some, you know, and it would be great to be able to incentivize people to come and do that, you know, offer that really fantastic workplace culture. Um, you know, we have a great lifestyle in the country. There's, you know, there's so many amazing places in, in rural and regional Victoria. Uh, so I think there's lots of opportunities to uh, incentivize people to come and really support their professional development and their growth, um, offer great career pathways, support people with clinical supervision um, and reflective practice so that you have that um, capacity to reduce burnout and stress and you know, deal with the emotional side of the work that we're always, you know, that we're always um, seeing and working with. Um, and in particular, you know, I've got a real passion for advanced practice nurses and nurse practitioners and have um, developed quite a number of nurse practitioners uh, in the service that I'm in and really offering career pathways for nurses so that they can stay in the clinical field uh, and be the experts and be supported to do that work. There's just an amazing, I think, opportunity and role for nurses to lead and influence that that system and provide the best care. Mm. Absolutely. I'm glad you touched on the, the nurse practitioner point as well, especially speaking with yourself as a nurse practitioner, I guess always being able to work to your full scope of practice, regardless of what specialty you have chosen is always going to be very important. And you're there as a resource, which is able to help other specialty uh, mental health nurses working beside you to obviously upskill themselves, just as you're mentioning. So it's, uh, I think that's a very important point and hopefully we get a few more nurse practitioners all throughout the state of Victoria there to, to work to their full scope of practice as well. Are you finding that within yeah. the hospitals of the nurse practitioner, you know, are they they're working to their scope of practice, do you believe? Uh, I think it's, it's really difficult. It, it's really difficult, particularly more so in the community roles. There's still a lot of, um, you know, barriers around accessing the particular um, prescriber numbers and provider numbers and you know the nurse practitioner doesn't have a, um, a role within the current mental health act and potentially that could be expanded on yeah. moving forward and so there's still a lot of challenges and I think we're probably missing a really great opportunity in not just in Victoria but in Australia around how we can use nurse practitioners to their full scope and I think they potentially you know, miss out on, on roles and aren't included in particular activities. You know, I think about, you know, the vaccination program at the moment in particular and MPs not being considered part of that, that workforce. And so those political barriers make it really difficult. Um, but if you look at the, you know, nurse practitioners have been in overseas internationally for, you know, many, many, many decades and, you know, are working absolutely independently I think we've got huge scope um, you know our professional bodies are really pushing that agenda and really fighting for those rights of nurse practitioners because really if we if we want to transform the system we need nurses to be leading that and influencing that and having the capacity to have really great you know nurse-led services nurse-led clinics you know nurses can be at the forefront of that and we have to support them to be able to do that and that leads to better patient care. Absolutely. So you've touched on all of these points now and you're saying that the 65 recommendations that have come forward, what, what comes next now? Now that they've been highlighted, how does all this get pushed forward for change? Well, it's, um, it's, it's quite complex, really. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and there's lots, of, um, 
there's lots of consultation happening at, uh, I guess, the government level and our health department level now to identify what the priorities will be for this year and, and the years to come, setting the timeline of uh, what are the priority recommendations, how are they funded, and then, of course, how we consult with the broader mental health workforce and consumers and carers to make those changes. There's, you know, there's going to be quite a significant shift in what the services will look like and how they're set up and delivered, um, accountability for those services, how they're governed and, you know, how services will be commissioned and funded um, and, you know, quite a significant change in uh, even the health department level around uh, putting in a, a commission for mental health and well-being and having you know higher level oversight of of that uh, setting up a statewide consumer-led service so really putting patients and consumers at the heart of the decision making which is fantastic and kind of getting everyone on board to have those discussions so at the moment there's lots of consultation discussions with a whole range of groups um, our senior nurses in Victoria um, we've had lots of discussions about the new Mental Health and Wellbeing Act, which is one of the first pieces of, mm. of work that's happening. Um, new local mental health and wellbeing hubs in some of the priority areas and really moving that system forward to be um, more trauma-informed. We're looking at work, a, a comprehensive workforce strategy for the state um, and how that's you know, aligned with workforce um, across all of the organisations. So it's a, it's, there's some things that we don't know and there's some uncertainty, but what we do know is that there's a real commitment now to make the system better and different and really looking at this, you know, once-in-a-lifetime transformation. So it is a really exciting time and I know that we're really excited as a, as a profession in Victoria, as a nursing profession, and what opportunities that's going to create for nurses to work in partnership with consumers to really make the biggest system change that I think we'll we'll ever have. Well, Kate, from everything I'm hearing so far to do with the specialty of mental health nursing, especially within the state of Victoria, this is a very exciting time to be a mental health clinician. It's uh, absolutely, absolutely. I think it's um. Hopefully it will draw people into the, the mental health service sector and maybe people, nurses that have left the profession or nurses that want to move into this as a specialty. Um, yeah, I think there's just so many opportunities for nurses. It's going to be great in terms of attracting nurses into the mental health nursing specialty. And yeah, we're just all pretty excited for it to, to get happening. And it sounds from the very last paragraph that you wrote in this Excellent article. And again, if someone if you're listening, you haven't read it, I'd highly encourage you to, to read it. Is that you're signing off by saying now is the time for, for mental health nurses and for everyone to step up into those leadership positions because you deserve a seat at the table. Absolutely. I think we're, we're a powerful group. We've got the expertise. Let's have the influence. Absolutely. Kate Hopner, thank you very much for your time being on the ACN podcast today. Thanks very much, Ben.